This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2,386. I'm your host, Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. I've got a great interview today with Tracy Hooper. Uh, she's an author, a former TV anchor, and we discuss, well, it's, it's a serious mistake that I have to say I make at times in my own way, but I think we all do with using words that disempower us, that don't present us as richly as we should be using, and words that we should be using instead, or phrases we should be using instead, that she succinctly calls words to lose and words to use. Hope you find this helpful. Hope you give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. I also want to mention that in case I haven't done this yet, and I don't think I have, I haven't mentioned to you that my my courses are now available for rent, not necessarily purchase, unless you can borrow it for 30 days at a lower price. So again, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us forward slash courses. That's the specific course page. Or of course, just visit the site. There's a drop down that'll take you to that page. And you can find out about my specific courses. They will help you with interviewing. There's no question about that. And now, let's get going. So my guest today is Tracy Hooper. Tracy is the founder of The Confidence Project and brings a wealth of experience in broadcast TV news as a reporter and anchor. Her Confidence Project clients include Intel, Nike, Microsoft. There's a world of different clients she supported. And today we're going to learn the words to lose that sound hesitant and ineffective and how to replace them with words to use that have impact, strength, and will make you stand out among the sea of candidates. That sounds like a song title. It should be. In the marketplace. And by the way, this is take two. I made a mistake last time, didn't set the record button, and she is so gracious enough uh, to do this again. So, Tracy, thank you. I bow to you. Welcome. Oh, Jeff, delighted to be back and to talk about this all-important concept of how words can, can carry us, can give us a chance to present ourselves with confidence. Small shifts in our words can make a big difference. You betcha they can. So what's the big myth around confidence? And what's going to surprise people about confidence when we talk about this? The big myth is this. He's just born with confidence. She's just naturally confident. No, that's not true. The truth is that confidence can be learned. There is a part of confidence for sure that's in our genes that's a part of the personality we were all born with, but the rest of it comes from taking action. I always say, take action, make mistakes, adjust, refine, repeat over and over again. No different than an athlete who needs to look at his or her tape to see how they're doing. Uh, no different than somebody that listens to themselves on a recording and says, oh, I wanna change up the way I sound, whether it's their voice or their words. Confidence can be learned. And that's the cool thing, Jeff, because this shows you that confidence is an equal opportunity. Opportunity. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you were born or what your job title is or how much money you make or what zip code you live in. Everyone can learn these skills. And that's what makes it exciting. And for those of you who claim introversion and use that as your excuse, 
And I say excuse because some people are naturally introverted. You can be a confident introvert as well and you know, present yourself effectively. It doesn't mean that you have to suddenly become loud and rambunctious like I am at the top of these shows, but you can be your best version of you speaking with your version of authority different than someone else's version of authority and commitment. Right. And Jeff, even before you start speaking, check your posture. Posture, I believe, is the unsung hero of confidence. And you don't even have to open your mouth. So if you are quiet or shy or reserved or see yourself as introverted, you can have good posture and that speaks confidence for you. In a presentation, at an interview, before or during giving a, a or leading a meeting, posture can really make the difference. And the trick is to pull your shoulders down and away from your ears. We're hunched over our devices all the time, aren't we? On laptops and we're texting and that creates a whole series of physical ailments that we are all suffering from. According to physical therapists, the top three issues are back, neck, and shoulder pain because of all of our texting and other de device use. But when you bring your shoulders down and away from your ears and you present yourself that way, that's the first sign of being a confident person. And interestingly, folks, she's a former anchor. Think of that, <laughs> the anchors that you see on TV and how they present themselves. They don't present themselves as being, shall we say, ineffectual, lacking confidence. They physically carry themselves in a particular way. Like there's an anchor training school that teaches them how to sit in that seat and they're all seated slightly forward, right? And you know, speak, you know, carrying themselves in a certain way. And um, we have to do our version of that to present ourselves in our best way. Mm -hmm. But this isn't about the physicality today. We're talking about words. Words. So should we, let's look at some of the words to lose because these are the ones that unfortunately too many people have the habit of using. Right. Well, the number one grouping lists of words are fillers. And fillers, we all know the usual suspects. Uh, um, like, you know, like it was like the most fabulous podcast. <laughs> we slip into using those words all the time. But here's a word that you may use and may not know about. How about the word stuff? I know mm. my stuff. Stuff, we all know, is what is in the junk drawer in our kitchen or what is in the closet after two years of having not worn most of our clothes. That is stuff. Be more specific. Do you know your stuff or do you know your material? Do you know your topic? Do you know your data? We have a lot of stuff to cover. Or we have a full agenda. We have six items on the agenda today. That's a way to lose that word stuff and sound stronger. Another word, thing. Thing. By thing, do you mean an idea, a habit, a goal? a success, a project? How often do you hear someone say, well, the thing is, what does that mean? <laughs> the goal is, the idea is, anytime you can replace the word thing with what it really is, that makes your presentation stronger. Those are the beginning of the fillers. So. <laughs> you caught me. And that's one of my fillers. The word, you know, I look at transcriptions of interviews that I do uh, because I was trained to pay attention afterwards and uh, to listen to my interviews in an effort to improve. And the one I can't 
I have yet to get rid of is the word so. I hear you. That is my weak word too. I was getting ready to be on a talk show here in Portland, Oregon, where I live. And I had talked with the producer about the topic and sent a list of questions for the anchor to ask me. And I decided that, of course, I, I'm a big practice girl. And I put my cell phone up on my shelf and press record. I call that a shelfie. And at the end of a six minute mock interview between my cell phone and me, I had used the word so 13 times. Oh I was embarrassed in front of myself and it was me. And the way to know what your weak words are, your fillers, and we'll talk about some other lists as well, is to do exactly what you talked about, Jeff. It is either to transcribe and find those weak words or record yourself and listen to the words that you use. And after you've recorded and identified some words you want to lose, then practice the power of pause. We don't need to fill every conversation, every second of every conversation with a word. Comedians do it all the time. Before they deliver a punchline, they pause. That gives you a chance to gather your thoughts, to choose your words. It also gives the listener a chance to either process what you've just said or get ready to hear what interesting point you're about to make. Practice is very true. I, I was about to say so true. And <laughs> I'm trying to be conscious of the word. And there it was the other word that I use. I, I create run on sentences. Oh, you know that about yourself. The transcription is showing me that time and again, I succumb to run on sentences by sticking the word and between two thoughts that are distinctly different. Yeah. Uh, so I, there it is. I bring it. I don't bring the period into it. I just continue on and claim the throne or claim the position of control with the word and because I haven't stopped speaking. Fascinating and great self-discovery. I find that people do that all the time. Sometimes when people are nervous, we cram a lot of words together and we speak really fast. So we don't give the other person a chance to respond to us. And we need to do that. That's what conversation is. It's a give and take. It's a back and forth. And when you're interviewing folks, as, uh, as she pointed out, the goal is to connect with people. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you want to give them space to hear you, to catch up to what you're saying, not to constantly monopolize the conversation. They need to hear and process the points that you're making. Thus, another potential filler. <laughs> Thus, but I think it fits in there. Oh, comma. I think that's a, that's a better one. That's a better one than so. By the way, Jeff, you have my permission to count the number of so's that I use for the rest of this podcast. Ooh, I ooh. need to be accountable. And I have my threshold, which I won't reveal until the end, but I do have a threshold. I know I threw one in there, so you can, so you can throw one in there. Should we talk about the next group? Yes, we should. Thank you. Let's continue. Hedges are those small, sneaky add-on words that we use to sound less aggressive, less bossy, less domineering, less demanding. Instead of speaking as we want to, saying something the way we want to say it, we hedge. And that makes us sound hesitant. For example, 
For example, do you know what the number one hedge is in my view? Well, it used to be Benson, but that that's an old <laughs> cigarette brand. Uh, that's right. That's right. No, Dude, tell I, us what the number one hedge is. In my view, the number one hedge is just. I just have a quick question. I, I just want to circle back. I was just wondering if you've made that decision. It's a it's a subtle but not so subtle nudge. We don't want to come on too strong. We don't want to offend someone. We throw that word just in to soften our delivery, but it undermines what we're trying to say. Here's another example, kind of. I kind of think we should go in a different direction, a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned about the process that we might not make it on time, almost. I almost think I'm ready for more responsibility. What? Are you ready for responsibility or aren't you? I'm ready for responsibility. And this is what you can do. Record yourself or ask a friend or a colleague if they'd be willing to record a conversation. This is another technique you can use. In the beginning, people will think this is very odd and you'll awkwardly go through the first minute or two. But then you'll be having a normal conversation after that and you'll be able to hear on the playback the word, the hedges, the fillers that you might be using. That's a great technique. Yeah, and... Physician, heal thyself. You need to pay attention to what you do in order to be able to improve. And like any athlete that practices, the first time you take a jump shot, you're awful. You know, like you're lucky, like is another one. You're lucky to, yeah. wa to wind up hitting the backboard. Yes. But when you practice, you get better. You'll make mistakes and don't punish yourself because you're learning. Precisely. Learn. And here's the other piece, Jeff. Let's remember that your listeners know their information. They know their work. They know what they're capable of doing. When you throw in the fillers and the hedges and some other lists I'll talk about, some other words to lose, it takes away from you the quality of what you're offering a company or an organization. It takes away from the quality of a presentation you're making or a meeting that you're running. Therefore, give yourself the best chance you have to make a good first impression. And once you begin losing these words, then that builds your confidence. And then other people have more confidence in you. And then it becomes this virtuous cycle upward because you feel more confident, then other people have more confidence in you, and then it keeps going. It's exciting. And it's, I'm using all my filler words, and, but Jeff, now, now, you can really present yourself and carry yourself as you want to. And it's very actionable immediately. It's about how you present your personal leadership mm. is ultimately what we're connecting with here. When you undermine, you take away your leadership qualities that you're trying to present to someone who's interviewing you. Whether you're a staff person or you're actually presenting in the C-suite, the goal you need to have is to demonstrate those qualities that allow people to trust you. Thus, comma, when you hesitate, <laughs> sorry. Not at all. Thus, when you diminish yourself in some way, you hurt yourself. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's why she calls these words to lose, right? Right. Let's move on, though, to words to use. I have another category I'm going to share with you, and those are called disclaimers. And we all know them. These are disclaimers. 
Uh, disclaimers are words that we use to sound humble or modest, but they don't make us sound strong. For instance, someone might say, correct me if I'm wrong. Trust now, me, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> why would we ask someone to correct us before we even started talking? There's a stronger word phrase to use, and I'll talk about it in a moment. Here's another disclaimer. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Or, what do I know? Or, I could be way off base. Or, jump in if you think I'm missing something. Oh my goodness, don't ask someone to jump in and look for something missing. You can speak up. Another one is, this is just my two cents. I'm no expert. This, could be, this is a crazy idea. These are all disclaimers. And there are words, that phrases that we can use that sound stronger. For instance, instead of saying, correct me if I'm wrong, you can say, let me know if I heard this correctly. Point taken. Let me know if I heard this correctly. Then people can speak back and forth. Or you've been doing this a lot longer. Or you could say, in my experience, uh, what do I know? Or I could be way off base here. Or from my perspective. Now I had somebody say, I've had many people say to me along the way, what's the difference between confident and cocky? And just I, being justified. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But also Jeff, it's your tone of voice. It's your body language. It's your facial expression. For instance, I met this great guy and we've stayed connected. He's a strategic partner of mine, has had a brilliant career at a big uh, international athletic apparel company. And I said to him when we first met, tell me, what is your, what's your secret sauce? What do you do really well? And he said to me, I'm an expert at leading large global teams, period. He wasn't hedging. He wasn't being cocky. He wasn't leaning in and said, I'm an expert at leading large global teams. He was matter of fact. And I loved that. He's an expert at leading large global teams. Great. And you know what that did? That elevated the entire conversation. I thought, I'm meeting a person who's an expert at leading large global teams. And then that prompted me to say, tell me more about that. What does that mean? How have you developed those skills? When you present yourself with a statement of fact, with, as I mentioned, a pleasant rest, a pleasant facial expression, good body language, then people are more apt to ask you the second and the third question. And what you've also illustrated beautifully is the power of fewer words. Yes. Too many words, people think you're begging. They think you're uh, in a situation where um, you're pleading. You, you believe me, believe me, please. Right. And, Let me tell you one more time. But in yeah. a different way. Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. In, in those few words, it was a perfect statement. Right. And that, that is a, that I appreciate you bringing up the idea of fewer words. We tend to speak too fast and too much when we're nervous. However, if you feel like you need a setup line, so a disclaimer could be, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm no expert, you're smarter than I am, whatever you're going to say. If you feel like you need a setup line, I want you to steal my mother's. <laughs> this Your is what mother's? my mother said. My mother, my 89-year-old mother says this, if she feels she needs to set up line. This thought is 30 seconds old. <laughs> and I love that. She knows that her idea is not fully formed, but she has enough confidence to throw it out there anyway and see where it lands. 
you can say that. It's much stronger than saying, this is a crazy idea or, you know, I'm no, I'm no genius. Much stronger. This thought is 30 seconds old. What if, we, what if we went with project B? That's a great way to give yourself more confidence when you, are, when you feel like you need to give, an, to give a line to get the person ready for your conversation. When I run groups, as I, I do from time to time, I'll talk about, this is a 10,000-year-old ritual I created 10 minutes ago. I love it. It's the same Great. idea. Great. I love that. I'm learning from you. How about the validators? <laughs> oh, validators. Yeah. Validators are words that we use because we're trying to get buy-in from the audience, whether it's an audience of one or 10 or 100. We want to make sure they're following along. We want to make sure they get what we're talking about. Therefore, we tend to use phrases such as, is that okay? Do you know what I mean? Do you see what I'm saying? Am I being clear? Does that make sense? How often do you hear that? Does that make sense? So you know? at, at the end of a complex thought, yeah. casual conversation, but you want to confirm that the person on the receiving end of the complex thought follows your idea. What would you suggest someone say? Because this is going to show up on an interview as well. Absolutely. Instead of saying, does that make sense? You could say, do you have any questions? When you say, does that make sense? That's implying that what you've just said doesn't make sense. Or that the person who's listening to you isn't smart enough to get it. And you ask, Instead of does that make sense? Because I always wonder about putting someone on the spot and knowing automatically they're going to say yes because they don't want to make themselves seem dumb. Right. Was that clear? Uh, you could say, was that clear? I would prefer you say, do I need to clarify anything? Perfect. Thank you. Or, or let me know if I can clarify something for you. That Perfect. way you're not assuming that what you're saying is not clear. And instead of saying, do you see what I mean? You could say, how's this landing with you? Or does anybody want to weigh in here? Or let me know if I need to repeat anything. These are all ways that you can take responsibility for asking if they need more information. Mm -hmm. And then it gives other people permission to say, yeah, could you go back to point two? I need to hear that again. And that's important. Validators are... Very interesting. Okay, here's one for you, Jeff. I call this the trifecta. This is a filler, a hedge, and a validator all in one. Can you guess what one word, which is extremely popular in our culture today, it is a filler, a hedge, and a validator. You ready? I'm ready for you. Right? How often do you hear people talking and they say, right, right in the middle of a sentence, right? Because they want to make sure you're following along, right? So they keep doing that over and over again. They don't give you a chance to say whether you get it or not. And it's a filler. And it's one of those words that stretches from one that keeps a, comp that keeps a sentence going like you were talking about. It extends the sentence without giving the listener a chance to respond. Again, practice the power of pause. Record yourself, find someone else who can record you. And these are ways that you can learn to drop these words. We can't go on though without talking about, I'm sorry. Oh, How about that? I'm sorry. 
you hear that a lot? Oh, yeah. I don't do that myself. However, I do know quite a few other people who do. Well, let's talk about context because context is key. If you have, it, it can be cultural. People from the UK, New Zealand, other parts of the world, they might say, sorry. And that's not, that's not like they don't understand. It could be that they didn't hear you or they want you to repeat it. That's a part of their culture. I was uh, giving a presentation one time and somebody raised their hand and said, I'm from Canada. We apologize all the time. <laughs> I was giving a presentation uh, for a group in the UK a couple of months ago. And one guy said, yeah, we Brits are a polite lot. Someone bumps into us and we apologize. So of course. Real. Of course. But I want to make sure we get to the words to use because we're covering a lot of territory on bad language, dirty words. Yes. I want to make sure we get to the good stuff. Well, the good stuff is, for instance, the words to use for the disclaimers are, do you have any questions? Or let me know if I need to clarify anything. Uh, if you, instead of asking, is that okay? You can also say, what are your thoughts? These are words to use. Instead of saying, "How um, uh, see what I'm saying? You could say, let me know if I need to repeat anything. Do you have any comments? You could say, raise your hand if this resonates with you, or I'd appreciate your feedback. Those are all words to use uh, instead of the words to lose. And then in terms of I'm sorry, the big takeaway here, Jeff, is, is to replace I'm sorry with thank you. Instead of saying, I'm sorry to ask this question, you, you could say, I have a question about that, or thank you for, or is now a good time for questions. Uh, instead of saying, I'm sorry, I don't understand, you could say, would you clarify that point, please? Could you say more about that second point, please? Or could you please focus back on that third point you made? Those are phrases that you can use. Instead of, I'm sorry, I disagree, you can say, I respectfully disagree, or I have a different opinion, or I have another point of view. Here's what I think. Those are stronger words to use. You can also switch, as I mentioned, from I'm sorry to thank you. Instead of saying, sorry about the noise, it's my neighbor's leaf blower, you could say, thank you for your patience with the noise. Sorry for being late. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. Anytime you can switch I'm sorry to thank you, absolutely do it. Now, let's remember, there are times when you need to apologize. If you've made a mistake, if you, if there's been a misunderstanding, if you've stepped on someone's toe, by all means, you need to apologize. But think of the times when you're in conversation or you hear another conversation and people overuse the word, I'm sorry. It really does diminish you. Since we're going for power, we're going for authority, we're going for command, and we're going for connection all at once. These are things that disconnect you. Right. And in Absolutely. disconnecting you, you're not on the same level as the other person. You're now in the subordinate position instead of at a peer level. Right. So I always think in terms of power differentials uh, in professional situations, and thus you don't have to create that lower position. If anything, your goal, for those of you who follow me for any length of time, you know the first thing I have you do is to talk with them about the job at the beginning so that you're in a consultative position 
and you're no longer in that superior subordinate place. Everything that you do, unfortunately, that weakens you takes you back down and there's no reason for that. Correct. And remember that people who are interviewing you want to be able to hire you. They want to see who you really are. Don't don't diminish yourself by using these words that aren't strong and using expressions that don't. It's much stronger to say, from my experience, uh, when I worked at so-and-so for five years, this was my takeaway from that organization. Now the person who's interviewing you is psyched. This could be our person. Let's keep talking. And would you follow up by saying, have you had a similar experience or has yours been different in a different organization? I'm just curious about that. I love that. I love that because guess what, Jeff? Engagement. (laughs) And everybody's favorite subject is themselves. (laughs) If you give people a chance to talk about them, they are all over the place. Now, be careful. You don't want to have it to be all over them because this is your interview, for instance, or this is your meeting that you're running. But that give and take of, tell me your experience. That's one of my, I call it my Kickstarter questions. What, how, and tell me more. That really gets conversations going. The tell me more piece, tell me more about that, gives that back and forth that you're, that you're talking about. The fun thing, folks, is the follow-up to that is, huh, interesting. And, and ask a follow-up question after that to understand the environment that they were in that prompted it to do it that way. Ah, I see. In, in our case, we had this. In your case, it was that. I can see how that difference works. Precisely. So this way, That's- if they're thinking negatively about your answer, you're able to explain what the difference was that prompted you to uh, propose this solution versus theirs. Great. And a really good interviewer is looking for someone who may have a different point of view than they do. That's the sign of a good leader. Good leaders should surround themselves with people who don't think like them. And you may be that person. So stand tall. Yeah, put your shoulders back. (laughs) Put your shoulders down and away from your ears. Yeah, who wants to look (laughs) by their ears, you know? That's exactly right. You got it. For, for those of you who listen to this on the podcast, my shoulders were up above my ears, but hey, what the heck? Now you're relaxed. Yes, I'm relaxed. Now relaxed. What haven't we covered so far that we really should? Well, what haven't we covered? I think the most important thing you can do, the most important thing, let me change that word. That's a filler. The most important skill you can develop is to practice. I want you to practice these skills. I want you to practice having a conversation with someone. Talk about your favorite vacation or the best part of your best job or what you're going to do when you travel this summer. A a comfortable conversation where you can find those words that you want to lose. And then I would encourage you to be kind to yourself. Psychologists tell us that it takes 30 days to break a bad habit and 30 days to develop a good one. One suggestion is to take a post-it note and write four sets of words to lose, or pardon me, words to use on the post-it note and put it on the upper corner of your laptop. And every time you're on a phone call, on writing an email, you're having a conversation, you refer to those words to use. And it could be from my experience, what I know after 10 years in the tech industry. Uh, My recommendation is, 
you can use those words and then people will begin to treat you differently. You let that post-it note be your guide. And then I want you to consider, this is big, breathing. <laughs> breathing consciously. When we get nervous, when we are, when we feel like we have a lot on the line, we don't breathe. In fact, Linda Bryce is a voice coach and I have worked with her off and on for a long time. And she's a part of my book, uh, Jeff, called The New Hello. And she told me this. She, by the way, she works with professional singers and speakers all over the world. And I would assert that we are all professional speakers. In some capacity, we have to speak for a living, whether it's to your colleague or to someone who's interviewing you or whether you're presenting at a meeting. We all have to speak professionally. And Linda says this, our biggest fear is that we will be shamed, humiliated, or banished from the group when we speak up. So we freeze and we cannot access our thoughts and we literally stop breathing. And while we stand there madly trying to gather our ideas, we use various words to mask our anxiety. Filler, fillers, hedges, validators, disclaimers, I'm sorry. If you breathe deeply, then that gives your, your body a chance to let the words flow out of you like a river. So breathing deeply, record yourself, write some words on a post-it note, ask a friend or a coach, a business coach like you to help you, uh, to help uh, identify the words, practice the power of pause, and finally, decide. My friend, uh, my friend Mary's daughter is in her mid-30s and she came over to visit her mom one day and Mary noticed that she used the expression, you know, a lot. So at the end of their conversation, Mary said, Maddie, may I give you some feedback on something I heard you say a lot today? And Maddie said, okay. And Mary said, I noticed you said, you know, a lot. And Maddie said, okay. So she left and a couple of weeks later, she came back. And during the whole conversation all afternoon, Maddie did not say, you know, once. And at the end of the day, Mary looked at her and said, Maddie, I noticed you haven't said, you know, what did you do? And Maddie said, I decided. <laughs> and so can you. You can make that small decision for a big impact. Now, can I count that? And so can you as a so? <laughs> oh, uh, Yes, you can. Let's be let's be real about this. Okay. How many have I? Because what you could have said, and you can too. You can too. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. I didn't count the one from Linda because there's something in her quote where she uses the word, but that doesn't count because you were reading count. hers. But when you spoke to me, understand up until that point, I had a zero on a sheet of paper. Sorry. Jeff, you did? I had a zero because you hadn't done any, but it was not until that very last statement that you used the word, I had to bring it to your attention. Interesting. Sometimes we get comfortable and we slide into more comfortable speak. And that was one of those cases. I love that story. And I told it and used it the old so. I do have a 10 so threshold for an hour conversation. We're not talking an hour. That's my, I'm working on that. <laughs> you did great. Oh, um, pleasure. I, I, I have the book inside. I started reading it. Folks, it's terrific. Tell people how they can find out about this book. You've got another one coming out shortly, right? I do. I and do. everything about how they can reach you, okay? 
Great, thank you. Well, the new hello is the book I wrote in response to the pandemic. It was what do we say and what do we do in the new world of work? And there were plenty of, there are plenty of evergreen ideas for networking and for entering a conversation. How do you get out of a conversation and so forth? I'm finishing up the now hello. What do we say and do now? Now that we have vaccinations and the and the uh, people are going back to the office, going back to work at the office. And it's a much more robust book. I have a new chapter on, expanded chapter on networking, a new chapter on confident conversations, a new chapter on called the hybrid highway. How do we navigate this hybrid highway? And that will be coming out in the next, I'm hoping by the middle of May. It's at the book designers now. Uh, people can find me on LinkedIn, of course, uh, at, under Tracy Hooper. And you can also find me on Instagram, which is the confidence underscore project. And I'd like to make an offer to you and on and to your your listeners. I I offer a monthly, a short monthly video. The first Thursday of every month, I produce a one to two minute video on anything confidence related. It could be how do you know when to jump into a conversation? It could be whether you should use cuss words or not in business. Evidently, there's been a heightened use of cuss words during the pandemic. And, and my sense about when that is not appropriate and that it's hard to code switch to go back and forth. All kinds of ideas about confidence in these videos. And people can sign up for that by going to confidenceproject.com. Excellent. Tracy, thank you again. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you didn't, you're watching it on YouTube. Share it, leave a comment, give it a thumbs up, of course. <laughs> Do something that lets people know it was worthwhile. Also, I want to remind you, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us, where I've got a ton in the blog that will help you with job search, hiring more effectively, management, leadership, and much more. You can also find out about my courses, books, and guides. Schedule time for a free introductory call with me or schedule time for coaching. I want to help you. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash The Big Game Hunter. Have a terrific day and most importantly, be great.